This is In Focus On The Go. It's a podcast version of our program that airs every week on Fox 59 and CBS 4. This week we're talking about the Russia investigation and speaking with Congressman Andre Carson and Congressman Jim Banks about what's next in that probe. We'll also talk tax reform. And we're discussing the latest debate over terror and immigration. Plus another controversy over guns at the State House. In Focus starts right now. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning, I'm Dan Spieler. The Trump team targeted as the first charges are filed in special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation. Today we're getting reaction from members of Indiana's congressional delegation. This as the president departs for a lengthy trip overseas. Today he'll arrive in Japan, part of a 12-day trip to Asia. The White House hoping it can change the narrative as the president meets with world leaders to discuss a wide range of issues. Obviously, a lot of talk about North Korea as well. A big issue back home. Tax reform is now making its way through the House. Indiana Republicans supporting the tax reform proposal introduced by Speaker Ryan on Thursday, though some in the GOP, including Senator Marco Rubio, expressing some reservations. We'll talk about that this morning. And, of course, the discussion continues on terror and immigration. The president with a series of tweets about the suspect in this past week's deadly terror attack in New York City and how to move forward on the issue of immigration. But in a week full of headlines, it was the Mueller news that seemed to bring the strongest reaction on both sides of the aisle, with a big name already facing charges and former campaign chair Paul Manafort. Matt Smith has the latest. The 31-page indictment represents a new chapter unfolding in the ongoing investigation. The charges make no mention of President Trump or meddling in last year's election. Instead, the documents describe in detail accusations of money laundering lasting nearly a decade and lying about it. All, quote, to enjoy a lavish lifestyle in the United States without paying taxes on that income. I think it speaks to um, how thorough Director Mueller is. Um, We have... Three, a three-pronged investigation taking place. Indiana Democratic Congressman Andre Carson sits on the House Intelligence Committee, which is also conducting its own congressional investigation alongside the U.S. Senate. Director Mueller's investigation deals with criminal activities, which has been unearthed with um, Mr. Manafort surrendering himself. So um, I'm just encouraging folks to stay tuned. Indiana Republican Congressman Jim Banks tweeting, In light of today's indictments, we must continue to support and allow the integrity of the process to work. Manafort joined the campaign in March of 2016, but was fired months later by President Trump after reports surfaced of Manafort's ties to the Ukrainian president. In the newsroom, I'm Matt Smith. Back to you. All right, Matt, thanks. I'm joined now by Congressman Jim Banks. We saw your tweet this week on the Mueller indictment saying we must continue to support and allow the integrity of the process to work. Do you take the president at his word that he won't try to get rid of the special counsel? The president was was very clear uh, this week that that uh, he won't fire uh, Director Mueller as as the lead of the investigation. I, I take him at his word. Uh, at that. So, but at the end of the day, a number of Republicans, myself included, other leaders in the House and the Senate, uh, when, when Director Mueller was appointed, we said we supported that because of the integrity that Director Mueller brings to the investigation. All of us want to see this put behind us as soon as possible so that we can focus on the important work that we're doing in Washington. Uh, but I, I felt that it was important on Monday to re-express uh, my support for the investigation Uh, for it to work its way through the process to get to the facts and present those facts to the American people. We saw 
an outcome of that with the indictments on Monday. Uh, I'm sure there's more to come, but uh, this is a process that I think is important that we we respect the process all the way through. Are, are you concerned by what you saw in those charging documents, some of the details that, that have come out? And if this does go further, um, what in your mind is, is the remedy here? Well, I'm not an attorney, but from what I've read and, and studied about the indictments on Monday, especially with uh, Mr. Manafort, all of the indictments were related uh, to some of his financial activities that didn't have anything to do with the campaign. So there's a lot more to learn. I, I think it's important, as I said on Monday, to withhold uh, uh, judgment until we see the facts, before those, until those facts are presented to the American people. And that's why it's important to continue to, to support the investigation to get to that point. On tax reform, I, I take it you're supporting this plan, but this this is a complicated issue. Is this something the House can really pass by Thanksgiving with everything else going on in D.C.? Well, this is the most important thing going on in D.C. as far as the legislative calendar is concerned. Republicans, especially in the House, have been working on the bill for several weeks. Um, the The broader outline of tax reform is something that we've been talking about for months, I mean, from, from President Trump coming to Indianapolis to talk about the broad, the broader uh, outline of tax reform to uh, leaders in the House and the Senate uh, coming to terms on the specifics. I'm optimistic and hopeful that we can pass uh, this bill by Thanksgiving. We could be voting on it as early as next week, we're told by uh, our leadership in the House. And, and I'm optimistic that uh, we'll, we'll see it passed and, and moved on to the Senate shortly. We saw, obviously, some tragic news in New York this week. The president uh, making so a series of back and forth comments uh, about the suspect, about the judicial process. What, what's your reaction to all of this? Well, I, 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 do, I do agree with the president that we need to uh, further examine the, uh, the special uh, uh, diversity visa uh, program that granted the visa to uh, th- this uh, terrorist who came and, and was the perpetrator of the attack uh, earlier in the week. So that's that's a place that we can start. And as a member of Congress, that's a role for the Congress to look into uh, this program that's granted visas to thousands of individuals who have come here under the diversity visa program. So that that at the very least, that that's where we need to look. But uh, overall, this is another tragic example uh, of why our, our uh, war on terrorism, our efforts in Iraq and Afghanistan especially are important uh, to prevent more attacks like these on American soil and to de- defeat our, um, our enemies and, uh, with, uh, under these radical uh, terrorist groups like ISIS and other groups who have, who have claimed um, a credit for the attack in New York earlier in the week. It's important why we confront them abroad rather than to allow more attacks like these to occur in the United States. So that's what I'm focused on as a member of the Armed Services Committee to continue to reinvest in our military, get our military back on its feet so that we can confront these threats as well as we can. Congressman Jim Banks, thank you so much for taking some time with us today. We appreciate it. And up next, we'll talk more about that new emerging conversation on terror and immigration and what some of our candidates for Congress are saying on that topic. And state lawmakers talking guns this week with a controversial proposal to get rid of gun permits and let everyone carry a gun. Could it be this year's big gun debate at the Statehouse? Stick around. We'll be right back.
We're joined now by our panel, Indie Star columnist Tim Swearens, two former state lawmakers with us today, Democrat Christina Hale, Republican Mike Murphy, yeah. and former communications director for the Indiana Democrats, Jennifer Wagner. A lot of headlines this week, but none seem to make more of an impact in Washington than the indictments from special counsel Robert Mueller. What's your view from your side of the aisle? You know, I have to be honest, I, I have to side with Congressman Banks, probably the only time I'll ever say that on this show. <laughs> um, but we have to wait and see. That being said, if I were someone who was affiliated with the Trump campaign, I'd be really nervous by the uh, the news that came out uh, early last week. Republicans worried, Mike? Well, I think the party is split. We have three congressmen who came out on Friday and filed a, a resolution to force Mueller to resign because of so-called conflicts. But I think most Republicans are doing what Jim Banks has said, which is a judicious thing, and that is, we don't know much. Let's wait and see what happens. All right. The president, meantime, uh, trying to shift some of the attention this week onto the Donna Brazil story, saying essentially he wished he had more influence over the FBI and the DOJ to go after things that he feels were done illegally by Democrats. Christina, i got to ask you about that Donna Brazil story. Democrats kind of concerned about what they're hearing there? I think Democrats are concerned for a number of reasons. But first and foremost, the last thing we need in our party right now is more division. Hillary and Bernie in that entire fractious time needs to be put in the plast. We need to move forward, and this is only going to drag the fight out. All right, meantime, uh, we mentioned the FBI, the DOJ. Speaking of the DOJ, Tim, you broke the story on the IndyStar.com website that Attorney General Jeff Sessions is coming here tomorrow amidst a lot of other questions on all of this Russia stuff. He will be here in Indy to talk with leaders from the 10-point coalition, which, as you know, could be a pretty interesting conversation. It should be. They're coming. Uh, Sessions is coming for a very important reason, and that's to talk about youth violence in our country. But he's also Jeff Sessions, a highly controversial figure, meeting with one of the leading African-American organizations in the city. Could be a, a lot more questions as the week goes along for him as well about whether he'll have to testify in Congress again. Republicans, meantime, hoping to put the focus on tax reform. Vice President Pence tweeting a picture this week from his stop in Florida. He said, quote, the president and I are absolutely committed to move forward with the kind of tax relief needed to get this economy moving. Will this bill get moving, Mike? They're hoping to get it signed, uh, signed by the end of the year and through the House by Thanksgiving. I hope so. The, the problem is we don't know exactly what the bill is going to contain still. Uh, Speaker Ryan has said it's going to save the average American family of four $1,182 a year. And it turns out maybe that's just the first year. So there's a lot of interpretation to happen yet. And where do Democrats uh, stand on this? A lot of pressure, obviously, on Senator Joe Donnelly ahead of next year's midterm. Sure, but I think we can wait and see for a little while, while, as Mike says, those details get fleshed out. And, and we find out what this, what this bill truly would do to the average family. Um, as with other things Republicans have brought forward in big, bold ways, the devil's always in the details. People are waiting to see what Donnelly's going to do on this bill. But there was also this statement this week from Senator Todd Young, who didn't really commit yet at this point to supporting this specific proposal in the House. In a statement, he said, quote, I look forward to working with my colleagues toward a tax structure that is simpler, fairer, and allows Hoosiers to keep more of their hard-earned money. The House's tax reform proposal, he said, is a, quote, first step that will continue to be debated over the coming weeks. And again, Senator Marco Rubio this week saying he's not sure this House bill does enough to help the middle class. Could Senator Young also be holding out maybe for some changes on this I, bill? I, I think the Senate is definitely going to want to change yeah. this bill. He will be a yes vote uh, when it comes to the Senate floor. There's no question about it. The big question is Joe Donnelly. There's going to be a lot of pressure on Joe Donnelly internally in this state to vote yes. A lot of pressure on the other side nationally to vote no. And as we said, Donnelly facing a lot of pressure to vote for tax reform. There's also a new poll out this week on both of Indiana's senators from Morning Consult showing our two senators with an approval rating in the mid-40s. There you see Joe Donnelly at 47%. Obviously, he's running for re-election next year. 
while Todd Young is at 45%, uh, 26% disapproval. Worth noting, guys, the 2018 midterm elections, one year from tomorrow. So on Donnelly's numbers, if we can go back to those, are those the kind of numbers that could get Donnelly reelected, or is he still pretty vulnerable? I don't think there's any doubt that he is obviously a vulnerable target next year. That's a pretty good number for him. There's a lot of unknowns there, um, which means that he, in a way, has his work cut out for him. Um, if he can go out and define himself the way that he has for that 47% as a common sense, you know, who's your solutions guy, you know, but there's going to be a ton of outside money pouring into this race, no matter who comes out of the primary. You, you have to make predictions now. We're going to hold you to it. A year out. <laughs> How close is this race going to be? Donnelly going to get reelected? Oh, I think it's, I don't know if he's going to be reelected or not, but it's going to be very close. Yeah. It all depends on who comes out of the primary. Whether the primary winner and the Republican side is fatally damaged by his own friends, so to speak, and then also uh, Jennifer mentions the outside money. We could see more than $100 million in outside money coming in, making all kinds of claims about all kinds of people, and then Hoosiers have to pick up the pieces and make a decision. I think no doubt we're going to see a lot of focus on the state of Indiana. Oh, I think so. And I think we also have to pay attention to the echo chamber and how it's going to be different in terms of advertising. There are going to be digital buys that unlike have been unlike at present. Um, any years before. So people aren't going to be buying the same sorts of ads and we're not going to be consuming them in the same sorts of ways. So when you find the pair of shoes that we like on uh, Amazon, we're going to be seeing their faces instead of their shoes all over the place, I think. What do you make of those numbers? We're a year out. Uh, Things could change (laughs) next week, let alone 52 weeks from now. And so the conversation we're going to be having in 2018, we don't know what we're going to be talking about at this point. The the news cycle is so fast. We do know we're going to be talking with Senator Donnelly this week, and also we're talking immigration with one of the Republicans lining up to try and replace Donnelly, Congressman Luke Messer's proposal to end tax credits for undocumented immigrants, making it into the GOP's latest tax reform plan. Here's what Messer told me about that. I think it's a necessary change in the law, Dan. You know, it's really just common sense. It it doesn't make any sense to reward uh, uh, folks with a tax incentive to be here illegally. The simple way to change it is to require anyone that claims a child tax credit to, to have a valid Social Security number interview, more of that interview on our website and on next week's show. We also talked more broadly about immigration recently with two of the candidates running in the 4th Congressional District, Steve Braun and Diego Morales, who came to this country from his native Guatemala. First and foremost, uh, border security for me is a top priority. Uh, There is absolutely no reason why anybody should come into this country that is not coming in legally and sanctioned. Um, I think that there are many ways to protect the borders. The wall is one of them, but there's also a lot of technology that's out there today that I think could be very effective as well, hiring new border guards, drones, et cetera. So whatever it takes, really, uh, we need to protect that border. Uh, But we also need to understand we are a nation of immigrants. I came to this great country the right way, you know, coming here, working hard, following the rules. You know, I believe in the rule of law. And yes, let me tell you, I support President Trump and Vice President Pence on building the wall. We must protect our country. One of my first issues, my top priority issue is national security. We must protect our country from terrorism, from the drug cartels out there. What do you think should happen with uh, the dreamers, the, the children of, of those who, who, who came to this country uh, illegally through no fault of their own? What should happen to them now? So I look forward to get to Congress. And let me tell you, I'm the candidate of choice. I've been raising the money. I raise more money than anybody else in the district. 
I've been crisscrossing the 16 counties of the state, and I've been listening to my constituents. What are and they I telling you on this issue? What are they telling me? I need to look forward to get to Congress and not be the same old politician. I am going to continue to go all over the 16 counties listening to my constituents, because remember, I will be working for them. I don't want to take my views to Washington. So no position there on the DACA issue yet. We should point out we did tape those interviews last week before the attack in New York. And another candidate running in that district, State Rep. Jim Baird, was the first to issue a statement on this diversity visa lottery that the president wants to end after the New York City bombing. Baird said, quote, ending the lottery will make America safer. It's time to stop playing political games with our immigration policy while terrorists take advantage of loopholes. He says, I agree with President Trump. We need a merit-based system that brings people to our country who are trying to achieve the American dream. Morales also issuing a statement saying uh, he fully supports President Trump in every action he takes to keep us safe and secure. On a lot of different layers, uh, it looks like in 2018, immigration will again be a big issue. Absolutely, but those three look like they are trying to out-Republican each other and get closer and closer <laughs> to Donald Trump so they can win that primary. Um, it'll be an interesting debate, but I think I think Hoosiers are going to want some real answers on these issues. What did you take uh, from some of those interviews? Well, in it's interesting. Diego candidate. Morales is a great guy, um, but I, I don't think that terrorist in New York swam across the Rio Grande this week to commit his, his atrocity. So I'm not sure why the wall is relevant when you're talking about New York. Um, and then Steve Braun, uh, you know, smart, smart, successful businessman. And he's too smart to think that building Donald Trump's wall is going to help the security system. It's, 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 all, it's pandering, pandering, pandering. How close can you get to Trump, even though Trump's numbers are sliding? And it's a dangerous game. And this is a district Democrats really don't have a chance in. They haven't, they, I haven't won this district uh, since it's been created. Uh, it all comes down to this primary. What did you think looking at the candidates there? Well, I'd have to agree with Mike. Everyone's running as far to the right as they can possibly get, just embracing Donald Trump with both hands and a big, wet kiss. So <laughs> it's going to be interesting to see yeah. if they can out-Republican each other. But I hope that they engage in a more sophisticated discussion of the issues. I did hear Steve Brown starting to talk about technology, drones, and those kinds of things. So the more productive and rich the conversation can be, I think the better result for the people voting in that primary. Immigration is just a hot-button issue, no matter how you look at it. it. It's a hot-button issue. And what you're hearing from those candidates is that Donald Trump won this state by 19 percentage points, and they all know that. And will that dynamic continue to hold as we go to 2018? That's the big question, why everyone is loath to make predictions, because we just don't know. One thing I will say uh, is Luke Messer's proposal actually makes some sense, to take away tax credits from people who don't deserve them. And Luke's been thoughtful in immigration. In 2006, when I was fighting against some mean-spirited immigration laws, Luke, as I remember, voted with me against the mean-spirited immigration proposal. So he's a pretty thoughtful guy on immigration. And it's a complicated issue. Let's ask the Indiana yeah. farmers what they think about immigration as well. Their voices should be considered as... No doubt a conversation we will continue to have in the months to come. Up next this Sunday in Focus, we're talking about an issue that state lawmakers have been discussing. It could perhaps be one of the big debates over guns at the State House this year. We'll explain after this. State lawmakers will meet in a couple weeks for Organization Day as they prepare for the legislative session in January. Next year, guns could again be a hot-button issue at the State House. Our Nick McGill was at a committee hearing this past week as lawmakers looked at the controversial proposal to get rid of the permit process for carrying a gun in Indiana. 
Yeah, let's just try and make it easier. It should be easier for Hoosiers to carry a handgun. At least that's the recommendation coming out of a Statehouse panel. We don't know ultimately what's going to happen with this issue, but, but those are the findings that we came to today. The panel was tasked with reviewing a proposal that would no longer require gun owners to have a license to carry. While the recommendation doesn't endorse the proposal, it does seek to remove so-called hurdles to the process, those most notably being identified as the fees associated with four-year and lifetime permits and fingerprint requirements. It can be very difficult or kind of difficult for some, in particular depending on where you live, to, uh, to get your handgun license today. And so to the extent it can be made easier, then uh, maybe we should do that. However, for some, the recommendation flirts with being too ambiguous. I thought the report was murky. State Representative Vanessa Summers says because the recommendation doesn't specifically come out against the proposal, it leaves the door open for interpretation. It's that interpretation that she says could be used to do away with permits come next legislative session and why she was one of five who voted against it. Oh, yes, let's be clear. This is the General Assembly. Be clear on what you want and how you want to do it. Proponents of the proposal agree the statehouse recommendation does leave the door open for lawmakers to get rid of permit requirements. Meanwhile, those like the group Moms Demand Action for Gun Sense, who perhaps spoke out the loudest against the proposal, say they count the recommendation as a victory. We will certainly be keeping an eye on it. Um, we will certainly be watching carefully, and we will be here in January to follow up with whatever the legislature decides to do on the issue. All right, and this week you can hear bonus content as we talk about this issue with our panel on our podcast. It's now available on Google Play and on SoundCloud, soon to be on iTunes as well. Stick around. We're back with this week's Winners and Losers right after this. Winners and losers, who had the best and worst week in politics? Tim, you're up first. Only losers this week, Republican Party for the Manafort indictment and their ongoing chaos. And speaking of chaos, the Democratic Party, uh, Donna Brazile's uh, book this week was eye-opening. I have to agree with Tim on Losers Democratic Party. Hate to say it, we can't afford more chaos. We have to move forward with positivism. And I would say winner, Mayor Joe Hogsett, for how he's handled the Bailey announcement here in Indianapolis so far. Thank you. I would say my winner is Congressman Jim Banks. How refreshing to have a congressman say, we don't know all the facts, let's wait and see. And my loser has to be anybody in the sights of Robert Mueller. He has a tremendous investigatory team. I guess, I mean, I'm a Democrat, and I'll agree that the Democratic Party definitely lost out this week, but I did not need Donald Trump to tell me that. Uh, tell me something about the Russians, Donald. Uh, and my other loser has to be the Indianapolis Colts, because, uh, yeah, you guys, it's not going to be a good rest of the season. Hey, let's give Indianapolis a win, though, for the college football That's right. That's, yes. right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's We'll see you again next Sunday at Focus. All right, thanks for sticking around with us for In Focus on the Go as we talk a little bit more about some of the issues from this week's show. We're talking about guns. The, the state committee looking this past week, a committee of lawmakers, at that proposal that we've talked about before for constitutional carry. State Rep. Jim Lucas, I know you interviewed him recently. He wants to make it so that essentially any Hoosier can carry a gun and get rid of the licensing process. Is anything like this going to come close to being law in Indiana? Oh, it definitely could because we are in Indiana and the General Assembly has two favorite issues, guns and alcohol. And uh, there's, you know, uh, Mike Murphy sitting over here is with his A-plus rating from the NRA. And, <laughs> and, and Mike might be one of the softer members or what when he was in the General Assembly on guns. Well, I, I think, you know, I had plenty <laughs> of gun words. proposals myself. But one thing I learned from my caucus chairman, Jeff Linder, years ago was only propose bills that are serious, that actually can become law and have some substance. And I'm sure Representative Lucas is sincere, 
but I don't think most of his proposals are. I think he's doing it for the NRA rating that he gets by proposing ideas. That's not going to become law. So prediction, how far does it go? Does it get out of a committee? Does it come to a vote? Oh, it'll, it'll get out of the committee, make it out of the House, and then the Senate will play their role and, and stop it. What um, was your NRA uh, rating, Christina? I, I can't quite remember. <laughs> I think it was a B minus. I heard it was I, a Z. I, <laughs> a Z is a zipper. Zebra. Uh, ooh, low blow, Mike Murphy. Um, what I would hope that they would consider, really, is taking as close a look at guns as they do mental health. I mean, there is a crisis in mental health here. We certainly have people that shouldn't have guns, you know, and we have people that really need that critical care, and we're not providing it. So I think people are very comfortable having responsible gun ownership in our state, but let's emphasize that. Um, mental health aspect of it. Weren't we just talking uh, about guns on the podcast a couple weeks ago? And we were. Christina at the firing range with the oh, lieutenant governor. Uh, right. Yeah, actually, <laughs> we were firing guns together. Suzanne yeah. Crouch and I, the last time we got together socially. Not at each other. No, not at each other. It's like Aaron Burr. Yeah, right. Alexander Hamilton. <laughs> so sorry, I had to work that in there. Um, I'm going to see Hamilton this week. Oh, I'm very fantastic. excited about oh, that. It has nothing to do with guns or the podcast. No, I mean, we were talking about that a couple weeks ago. It was the first time that I'd gone, and I did a pistol training up in uh, up in Carmel. It was illuminating. It was enlightening. It was also terrifying. And the idea that we would in any way loosen restrictions on guns to less than what you need to drive a car, which is also a deadly weapon that you take out in public, seems kind of odd to me. Totally support the Second Amendment. Not sure we want to just have any old person wandering around with a gun, you know, on their hip and in their holster. So actually, I've asked Jim Lucas and Ben Smaltz both, "What do I do?" I have a constituent that's come to me that has said in the past when I served, um, you know, Mr. Smith, our next door neighbor, was always a responsible gun owner. We all felt more safe in the neighborhood because of his gun ownership. However, Mrs. Smith passed away. He seems to be experiencing some dementia or early onset Alzheimer's, what do we do? Because now my son comes home from college, he doesn't know him, he's hearing people in his basement that aren't really there. What do we do? He's a licensed gun owner and we're not quite sure. And I've asked them to take a look at that too because it's complicated. These are all challenging issues. They they, they definitely are. And, And you talk to so many gun owners, it's about personal safety. And I don't think we can discount that. We live in a dangerous world, and so we have to have some some empathy for those people who believe that if they can arm themselves, they can protect themselves. Especially after seeing things like what happened in New York City this past week, no doubt. You, you always hear about that personal safety angle. Actually, and yes. Yeah. And, you know, that's a great point, too. And as we have more and more natural disasters, for example, I've heard Democrats who are ardently dead set against gun ownership now thinking, well, maybe I should. What if if something catastrophic happens here? What if the grid goes out? What if, you know, everything falls apart? And I think they're looking uh, at their future, the safety of their family, and just kind of chessboarding out worst-case scenarios in a way I've never heard before. Wasn't the grid going to go out this weekend? That was a popular uh, It was a possibility. Thankfully, it didn't happen. Um, No, I mean, Christina's (laughs) right. That's why I went looking is, is, you know, we've had a ton of armed robberies, break-ins. I live downtown. You know, I've got my two kids there, and I I wanted to explore the possibility. That being said, every time someone proposes even a common-sense restriction on on guns or a regulation, the gun lobby, you know, the NRA, says, oh, my God, they're coming to take our guns. So there's never any opportunity to have that conversation because, and this is true on the left, there are some organizations that do this as well, but 
there's never that opportunity to have the conversation that we're having right here, which is, I'm actually not concerned about you having your 10 guns in your home. I am concerned about someone, in your instance, Christina, getting access to a weapon and maybe not having the mental capacity to use it and having something terrible happen. But you have to remember, the NRA and the left-leaning groups who are against the NRA drum up these issues to raise money. If there's not an issue to debate, where does the NRA get their money? Where do the left-wing groups get their money? It's all about driving money. I have a lifetime permit. I paid $100 for it. I went down to the police station, got a fingerprint. Within so many days, I got a permit. And I do not mind at all having to go through that to have the right to carry a gun for my protection wherever I feel necessary. It is a conversation we'll continue to have, no doubt, here on the podcast and on the show. You can join us every Sunday right here in Focus. Hope you have a great week.